Great. So, welcome everyone, and thanks for joining today's section. Before we start, I would like to introduce CEO Class to all of you. CEO Class is a global for impact initiative that was created during the COVID-19 pandemic. We aim to inspire our audience through online fireside chats with CEOs all over the globe. My name is Audrey. I'm your host today, and I'm also the lead of the CEO Class Hong Kong chapter. Today's session will last around an hour, and please feel free to raise your questions under the question tab so that we can ensure your questions can be answered. In this room, we're happy to have our honorable guest, Mr. Kevin Lee, with me today. Kevin is currently the Chief Product Officer for eBay Korea. Hello, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your journey with us. Could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and what do you do in eBay? Uh, sure, Audrey. Uh, thank you for the introduction. So uh, my name is Kevin Lee. Um, I am currently Chief Product Officer at eBay Korea, which is part of eBay in San Jose, US. Um, my job is really looking out for all the product experiences for the app and web uh, for both you know, the B2C side, but also there's a lot of B2B side of uh, e-commerce for those of you who are in the e-commerce sector. So essentially responsible for not only user experience, but product management, but also product engineering as well. So I have a very unique position of overseeing the entire sort of teams that actually need to make the products uh, go live. Uh, before eBay, I was at um, many other companies, um, as you guys might have looked at my profile. Um, I was a design leader for global companies like Visa, um, eBay back in the days, and PayPal, uh, Whirlpool, Samsung, uh, and GE. So I have a very variety of different industry backgrounds, um, but the common thread that actually makes me who I am today is just focusing on user experience. Um, so that's so far the introduction. Right. So I'm aware that you have dedicated to digital product design for your entire career. So how do you find or confirm your passion for product design at an early stage? Well, I mean, I think that you just have to have a curiosity. Uh, that's something that uh, prerequisite and you don't learn at school. Um, you just have to be uh, natural to look at things in a very differently. Um, when people are looking at uh, certain objects, uh, you have to wonder why the object was designed, uh, what and what the purpose of an object is, not only just, you know, enjoying the using of it, but um, the reason behind it. So it's, it's that, I think that's kind of how prepare me to sort of be serious about what I do for now. Um, in the very early days of my, I guess, around college years where I get very curious about every single one of them. And I think that led me to just looking into the, the discipline and major that actually allowed me to take a deeper, you know, sort of dive into learning more properly, um, like theories and practices and different um, knowledge that you would not otherwise able to get. So, okay. so curiosity is a prerequisite. So how do you prepare yourself to get into the industry? Um, I think it's a, there's a lot of different ways to do it, um, at least from my experience uh, and something that I've been telling everyone, uh, whether you are the just about to get into entry level position of the company 
uh, or your seasoned sort of leaders um, that are still looking to have different experiences. Uh, where, when you're incumbent um, to the industry of the company, um, nowadays I think it's different than what it was before. So I'm going to just speak for current stage of where we are. Um, you just have to be not choosy or picky about companies or industries that you're interested in. Um, the best way to get prepared for is to uh, apply as many jobs out there that you possibly see. Uh, and as long as it seems like a reasonable within the level that you're looking for, uh, even if you're not interested in it, go for it. Uh, because you need to get into that real life of interview practice. Um, and it is sounds kind of unfair to the employer side, but there are so many companies looking for so many different talents. There's no longer one size fits all. So it's shame if you're only looking for, you know, certain things. Uh, so get yourself out of the comfort zone, apply as many as possible. And when they're saying, hey, we're interested in you, let's talk, do talk. Uh, and to acquire knowledge through the real life talking to the you know, employers and the other colleagues. And I think that's how you get really um, get practical about everything. Um, and of course, you know, networking is another big part. Um, you know, nowadays people are very um, courageous uh, in reaching out to different people, strangers. Uh, I get LinkedIn invite um, every day from people I've never met. Uh, used to be where you don't connect with those people, but now it becomes kind of a somewhat ritual that you just want to reach out to new people, connect, learn from them, uh, even you know ask for some feedbacks like portfolios or you know CV, you know review things like that. So I think those are another good way of get yourself into that the door. Um, so basically, the, what I'm trying to say is that wherever we learn conventionally. Um, is probably not the way that we should keep keep it forward um, and keep your options open to look at other ways that you would otherwise been told not to do it. Um, there's no such thing as a playbook anymore. It seems like you just have to find your own comfort zone and then really be um, assertive about driving for whether, whether it's, you know, the like I said, the interview tactics or networking with the strangers on LinkedIn. Uh, whatever it makes you feel getting out of the comfort zone, that's what you need to do. Yes, I share your, your will as well. So like keep trying, keep stepping out of your comfort zone. So I start understanding the meaning of like networking. So there's lots of like opportunities we can try and put ourselves out there to sell it ourselves, selling our profile as well. So um, I would like to more uh, ask more about like technical questions. So what are the three key elements needed to be addressed when inventing or like designing a new product? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there are many different, you know, sort of answers that you will find um, and which all of them are correct, yet all of them are wrong. Um, what I mean by that is that you really have to find your own um, set of elements or factors, especially if you are interested in, um, you know, having a startup through the uh, environment. Now, of course, if you're going into a company a corporate side, um, the invention is such a uh, unrealistic word, right? You, you're not really given a mission to invent something. You're part of the larger team that actually works on problems that were defined for you. Um, but 
when you're truly into that invention mode, I think there's three things that you need to keep in mind, but those three things are still applied to the corporate world if you are interested in that route, which is you got to really ask yourself why you're doing it. If you're pursuing an idea, you really have to ask yourself, of course, hopefully no one does it for money, but you got to have to ask for what are the passions, what, what passion that drives me to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, because inventing something is very, very difficult. You know, mm-hmm. I think I'm lucky to have, you know, a couple, um, uh, you know, invention disclosure on my, you know, belt, but it's very difficult to invent something nowadays. Um, unless you're in a very niche, niche scientific area or technology area. Uh, most of us who are through the, uh, into the building a services and products, mm-hmm. it's very too hard to get invent something. But so you get to ask yourself, you know, why you're doing it? Um, do you have a passion for it? Uh, second thing is, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? Mm-hmm. It's a very cliche problem, but um, it is something very important. I mean, if you're not clear about what problem you try to solve for, um, you're not going to get too far. Um, and then the last thing is, you know, how are you going to build a product? Um, I think a lot of people don't think about how. Um, they just think about what problem you try to solve, and then you think everything will be solved for you. Um, it is at the tip of the iceberg. You really have to understand the underlying technology, even if you're not an engineer. Um, you also have to understand, um, since we're talking about invention, um, how do you make the money out of that invention? Um, whether it's a financial or ROI, um, because a lot of things that people do make mistakes is that when you have a, such a great idea, uh, it itself will be, you know, pay the dividends of all the efforts and, you know, the time that you spend. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the sooner you realize the uh, return of investment of time that you put in to invention, the ideas that will be going to market, um, it will be more successful. Um, because nowadays, I think some people are even able to invent things without going to college. Um, so no longer there is that classic definition of, you know, invention has to be done by some PhD in, in a lab. Uh, it is invention that comes from the curiosity, like I said before. So if you're, curi- if you, if you're curious about everything, then your motivations and passions are there. Um, and that understanding then what problem. You're, so you're zooming into the very specific problem you try to solve for. And if you're clear about that, then, then you just have to make sure that how you're going to you know, make it to reality uh, which is where you yourself alone cannot do it so you need to team up people to work together um, but those are three things i would say the important elements from my experiences wow okay so uh, i would like to know how do you and your team when brainstorming like a project or like a product because like as you said it's a very creative or somehow it's like very subjective like uh very individual by individual. So how do you come across when a product, maybe um, some people, they have different thoughts of uh, different elements. How, how can you solve that? Yeah, this um, that's a very important question. And uh, my answer will be very important to replicate. Um, so oftentimes the we say we are collaborating, right? Collaboration is such another key words everyone's talking about. But when you actually look at how the teams are structured, uh, there isn't a collaboration. Um, you know, meeting, someone sends you a meeting invite and you show up at the meeting, that's not collaboration. 
um, which means the meeting host already has set up agenda. You set up agenda that you know they're gonna read out to you, and then you're gonna start discussing or debate about that agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, the true um, way of working is you, know, you got a product person, you got a, a design person, and you have this you know engineer person. Um, and then if you start thinking about other functions like marketing, you got a, a business person or even a CS person. Um, but as a core, um, you know, product and engineer and design has to come to the table at the same time. And 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 it's very difficult, as I said, because it sounds easy, but there's always point where someone do get the first um, receiving end of the information. Um, and he or she needs to immediately then pull the team together and then hey this is what we have been told that we need to solve for but then before you go any further which is your own analysis of the problem that you've been given you need to open it up to your other peers uh, where they look at the same problem from different angle mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes that step has been usually delayed for yeah. some reasons um, and usually the product management is the one who filters idea. Mm-hmm. Um, he or she comes to the table with the, hey, designers and product, uh, the developers come here and here's a problem we should solve for. Um, but that's too late because that has been mm-hmm. already filtered by someone else. Yeah. When that same um, original problem can be interpreted together with multidisciplinary team. So having a multi, true multidisciplinary team setting is really, really important and key differentiator. And so I think that's the, my um, advice or, um, you know, response to the question of the collaboration um, is important, but not in a way that most of us think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, you also uh, say that when you're inventing a product, you will think about what problems are you going to solve. So will you invite like the end user for the test or like trial during the invention process? Um, I think that uh, we need to be careful about the word invention because invention is really, like I said, rarely happens. Um, I'm, I'm a more believer of um, evolution, mm-hmm. uh, okay. evolving problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, revolution is very, very hard and only comes once in a lifetime, if not yeah. never. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I put a, from an evolution perspective, um, it's, it's uh, like I said, it, it takes sort of triad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to always work in tandem. Um, but then having that user or customer as part of the process mm-hmm. is definitely important. But that's why, you know, when, you were, when we're using the word invention, uh, once the idea has been shown to users, it's no mm-hmm. longer, um, you know, qualified for novelty because it's been shown to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in the evolving stage of product area, then having a user as part of the process is absolutely required. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also important to know when to involve users. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, we even blindly think that you know user has all the answers. And I'm, I'm trust me, I am a big fan of you know human center and user center design and everything that you guys we all talk about. Mm-hmm. But you also hear many times users don't know what they don't know. So. Mm-hmm. There's a point where whether you want to 
um, involve user because you really have no idea the problem area you try to solve for, which is then going back to the, your earlier question, you shouldn't start the project because you don't know what problem you try to solve for and you're asking users to help answer the question, which mm-hmm. is not the way to go about. Uh, but what I've been found effective is that you use, you involve users at a validation phase uh, rather than a, a you know, in, um, beginning part of the project uh, you involve users from a validation standpoint um, because that's where your product and services needs to be validated before you go to the production mm-hmm. uh, the cost of changing it is very prohibitively high mm-hmm. so I think that's where the involving users is very effective but it's also different from industry by industry um, you know, like healthcare um, it's, it's definitely in, important to involve uh, customers or users at the very beginning um, mm-hmm. because very specialized industry um, it's almost like a doctors and uh, technologists so they, they they need to be involved from the beginning um, but also at the same time if you're in the consumer electronics or consumer goods space um, you don't need to really involve users because you you, you yourself are users mm-hmm. um, if you put yourself in okay I'm gonna working on my wearable today well you can be a designer you can be an engineer you can be a product guy evaluating the product um, so it, it really different from industry to industry, um, but involving users at some point is absolutely critical for product success. Yes, that's really interesting because I think like like product designer, they are one of the users. <laughs> so sometimes they, they, they must have some problems they want to solve by themselves. But like during on a job or as a user, maybe they have like different like angle that they, they have um, opinions or like comments. So yeah, yeah, great. So I'd like to talk more about your global exposure. So you work in US in your early career and then go back to the South Korea recently. So what brings you back? So And also how's the working experience in the US? Um, so I spent most of my career in the US and then last, well actually three years ago, almost two years ago, I was in London for two years. Um, and then uh, Italy for like six months. So I kind of been lucky enough to be working in multiple regions and the content countries. Um, and so if I answer the other first question about, you know, how did I transition from sort of global head of design role to a, a product officer? Um, it's, it's a combination of um, being at the right time, right place. But also, also the other combination of the employer actually looking for someone like me. Um, in other words, you know, being at the right time, right place is something that you don't control. Um, you just have to be in the right place, right time. I mean, there's nothing I can do, nothing you can do. Um, whether you call it predestined, um, your career or luck, however you want to describe it, um, that that is one big part. But the other piece is where I found very interesting because nowadays when you think about chief product officer usually most of chief product officers that I know of don't have design background they're highly technical either their engineering background or a product management background or sometimes a business background Um, but now I'm seeing in the last five years or so gradual increase of CPO that who actually have come from design background uh, because more and more increasingly a lot of companies are looking for user experience as a competitive advantage 
And if you haven't designed and built the product from a design perspective, it's really hard to understand nitty gritty part of what it takes to build a product. Um, so I think uh, employers are looking for that type of profile. And um, eBay Korea was basically um, looking for that type of profile at the time. Who of course needs to have a bi- bilingual as well, which you really narrow down the pool choice mm-hmm. from say 100 to down to maybe less than one or two. Um, and um, my previous CEO um, was someone that um, knew me before um, so that we got connected and that led to another and then decided to move. So, um, but like I said, um, I think that journey that you guys maybe want to take um, is something that you just have to be clear about what you're looking for. Um, and it isn't necessarily about the title of the job. Um, which oftentimes a lot of people are falling into the trap. Mm-hmm. But it's really about going back to passion, what I said earlier. Um, you really have to stick to that passion as a, your driver. Uh, so if your passion is to build whatever the products, software, hardware, you know, mm-hmm. app, web, doesn't matter. You want to build a, something that really enable human um, to do work better. Um, mm-hmm and enjoy their life a little bit better than staying within that product space um, is, is the way to go. Um, but if you're, I think so understanding your passion is, is very important. Um, and, and then looking for what industry you want to get yourself in. Um, so another important factor, but regardless of it, you need to be at the right time, right place. So that's why I said earlier too, keep um, reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you are settled with a job, um, mm-hmm. you don't have to get distracted, but you need to start always constantly looking out for what's out there and then continually calibrate yourself uh, against the opportunities. Um, yes. So I know like currently it's like a moving season. So people just like um, get used to like remote working. So it's like uh, we are not talking about just working in a like physical office right now. So maybe we will travel a lot, uh, although because of COVID, but like in our generation right now, so we, we are okay that we move to other countries to work, uh, keep uh, following our passion to work in certain industries. So could you tell me a little bit more about what is the working culture different from different like um, countries and bosses? It's like anything that we can learn from you? Yeah, I mean, I think the definitely country by country just different through the um, ritual right mm-hmm. um, so I mean I can recall when I was in London um, Europeans are very relaxed or more relaxed than other countries um, so that's something that a lot of even Americans are not used to even that relaxing environment um, I thought that being in California was very relaxing but wasn't uh, it was actually very tense um, and being in Midwest of uh, US is different, um, maybe due to the weather. Um, <laughs> and then being in Europe is, like I said, very different. And being in Asia uh, or Korea uh, is certainly very fast paced. Um, and I'm sure very similar to where you guys are, whether it's Hong Kong or other parts of you know Asia. So I think that that's very interesting mix to the your career as well. Um, because you need to not only look for what industry you want to be part of, but depending on the industry, the company that you want to work for 
isn't necessarily within your comfort area of your country.、Um, so you always have to have this mindset of that's why I said earlier passion. If your passion is a very foremost important thing, then geographic location shouldn't become a barrier. But I've seen so many great talents didn't pursue because they didn't want to get out of California.、Mm-hmm. Uh, they love California. Okay, and there goes your your passion.、Um, you're compromising your passion over lifestyle.、Um, so I think I think that's something that we all need to be, you know, step back and look at it and be sure where you put value of your、mm-hmm. career. And I fortunately have been very fortunate. Having supporting family that we move around different places,、mm-hmm. and of course the benefit of it is you be exposed to truly global、mm-hmm. culture of many different people.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and global culture doesn't come when you make so many business trips to one country.、Um, a lot of people mistake to think that they know the country because they've been to country so many times through business trip.、Mm-hmm. Um, but that is you you don't know the culture at all unless you live there. Um, for like three, six, you know, nine, twelve months, that you become part of that, you know, local people. So I think that that's been always been big passion of mine、um, mm-hmm. that I always wanted to expose to different countries.、Um, so I think that will will keep me going in that direction.、Um, but I think most importantly, because every culture has different, like I said, ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, Combine it with your discipline, whether it's a design or product or engineering. You really have to find the middle ground.、Mm-hmm. Sometimes compromise what you want to actually carry on,、mm-hmm. because what you want to carry on to different country will clash with their、mm-hmm. understanding of whether value or not.、Um, like for example, some countries in European, you know, getting a text message from your boss after six. Is very very、um, offensive.、Uh, whereas in other countries, is pretty normal, right?、Um, so you really have to know how to draw your cultural boundary,、uh, which can impact your work,、um, your productivity that you've been trained to think and do one way.、Um, but I think, you know, especially COVID nineteen,、yeah. does put us that boundary off, right? There's no more boundary. So I think. That's good thing for a、mm-hmm. lot of people who are become more vulnerable to time difference and geographic differences.、Uh, some companies are allowing people to work from other countries,、mm-hmm. although there's a lot of tax implications、um, that they need to solve for.、Um, but nonetheless, I think again, it's really going back to the what you're after in terms of passion that、um, makes global mobility as part of very appealing.、Um, Career path, then so be it. You go for it,、um, but that does not mean that those of you who wants to stay within the one region, one country,、um, that's equally viable too.、Mm-hmm. Just not compared to other people, but just continue to ask yourself a question. Yes, I totally get it because I, I would like to ask you because I stay my life、uh, mostly in Hong Kong. So I'm thinking, oh, is that like I'm not enough global exposure? But as you said, it's like just follow your passion. Like there's lots of like channels you can still reach out to other side, other part of the world. So、um, yes, you answered my question already. So I would like to check about、um, about leadership. 
So, uh, what do you think the current like COVID nineteen challenge that bring to the students or younger generation, like uh, on the e commerce or like online business? What do you think? Um, I, definitely, it's confusing um, because I think none of us has experienced this COVID nineteen before. Um, and maybe there are people that who gone through SARS. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't, so it was first time me as well. Um, forced to work from home so many months—I mean, more than a year now. Um, for younger generation who's actually going to school or about to graduate from college um, or doing an internship for the first time, that never showing up to the office but doing it over Zoom um, is very unnatural. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the it, it is also opportunity for many people. Um, this is where you need to figure out whether you want to embrace it and then find a way to get on it, or you're gonna continue to complain about, you know, life before COVID-19. Um, because whether we're gonna get back to work, which is probably soon, right? Within 12 months, uh, with the vaccine all around the world, we will be back. But people who experience this Zoom world or the remote world more than a year. Will work differently and think differently because the companies are already thinking about doing it differently, right?、Mm-hmm. Companies are already thinking about why should we have permanent office when over the year we work fine without, you know, having a physical space.、Um, so I think a lot of things will change over the next two to three years in terms of working policy,、um, company culture. So I think younger generation、um, needs to be what I always say to my own employees, especially those who are coming right up college and joining the team.、Um, be fearless.、Uh, that is the one trait that younger generation do have,、mm-hmm. and、uh, younger generation have to be able to exercise that fearless、uh, emerging leadership、um, in a most respectful way.、Mm-hmm. So that means that you need to voice your opinions,、um, not. Follow the direction of、uh, you know other leaders,、mm-hmm. but if you think that why we doing the way that I don't understand, then、mm-hmm. because you don't understand, you need to raise your voice,、um, and and I think that's very one thing that COVID nineteen does put a license to everyone to ask、mm-hmm. questions.、Yes. Why am I working from home when my colleagues in other countries are going back to office? Um, or you know why we are making decisions the way we are when I think we should make decision otherwise.、Um, those things aren't coming with a title or the、uh, seniority. It comes from everything else. And I think I found younger generation tend to be more, I don't know, embracing that type of change、mm-hmm. more faster than other generation. And I think、uh, younger generation just need to know where to exert that energy. Um, in a right way、um, to benefiting themselves, but also、um, benefiting the company.、Mm-hmm. So, may I know what is your like management or like leadership style when managing this young、uh, like generation in your team?、Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I'm a big fan of、um, creating this very horizontal、um, culture、um, where everyone's、um, able to speak up and then everyone's voice counts. So what I always tell everyone is that whenever I or other leaders speak、um, about anything,、um, make sure that they only have up to fifty percent accurate answers to everything.、Um, it means that 
if you only listen to their statement or their you know, opinions,、mm-hmm. you're basically only agreeing to the 50% of accurate response,、mm-hmm. which if you make a decision based on that, you only have 50% of getting it right. The other 50% is being shared by the voice of the employee.、Um, and that's why you make this 100% of accurate you know, response decision based on you know, everyone's idea. So I always use that as a metaphor for people to speak up because if you don't,、um, you only allow in organizations to go on with a 50% accurate decision. Um, and that puts a lot of younger generation people to be confident about、um, sharing their ideas, knowing that,、mm-hmm. hey, you know what, I can be 100%, I can never be 100% right.、Mm-hmm. But if what Kevin says is true, then I'm always going to be 50% right.、Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm 50% right, with the other 50% right from another person, then you get this 100% right answer.、Mm-hmm. I got nothing to fear about. So I think that's very important that I've been promoting a lot.、Um, but the other thing is that, like I said before, one of the questions earlier, you really have to be in the habit of asking for other discipline. So、mm-hmm. I always ask people if you're in the meeting, look around you, and if you don't see your partner, meaning that if you're designers, but if you don't see your engineering buddy、mm-hmm. um, in the meeting, you got to ask for where is this person? Why this person is not invited? Uh, if you're the product person,、uh, but if you don't see your design partners being invited to the meeting,、mm-hmm. your product person has to raise your voice saying, Where is my partner in crime designer here? Why isn't she or he invited? So I think really making sure everyone's accountable for problem solving is、mm-hmm. um, another thing that I've been really promoting. And, you know, I think a lot of problems that we're dealing with in organizations. Are not the rocket science. It starts from very simple things like what I just mentioned、mm-hmm. that have been ignored. And that's why a lot of times it got add up to the point where you can't solve anything at all in the company.、Mm-hmm. But if you start with a very fundamental levels of those organizational one on one where you're going to respect people's ideas,、mm-hmm. um, and then one head is no, no, no better than two heads. So therefore, you need to always ask people to come together in the meeting. Um, then that's how you really start building up the healthy organization. So, those things I'm trying every day,、um, and it's, it's working.、Um, mm-hmm. It takes longer, but it, it's working. Yeah. I think your 50% accurate policy or like rule really encouraging like more colleagues、uh, who are like lack of confidence, they can more speak up. Because I remember when I was younger、uh, in the company, I was afraid to speak up. Even though I, I feel something wrong, I really want to enjoy the conversation because I'm afraid that I am not like giving the like most accurate like answers to the team. So, which made me look stupid. Uh, like uh, my uh, senior may think, oh,、uh, you, you better just be quiet, don't make any more trouble. But That really like, changed my mind. So I think, wow, being your team would be very helpful. So I think you have like, lots of like, ideas from the teams collected when these like, policy or rules like, using, right? You can see right, the change.、Right. Yeah. Yeah. So、uh, what would you advise the young generation if they want to be a CEO in the future? So what should they know? What should they learn? And what skills are crucial to develop?、Uh, well, that's. that's、uh... Loaded question right there.、Um, 
first of all, if, if any any younger generation wants have a have a mission or have a purpose of goal to become CEO, wow, I respect them a lot um, because I didn't know if I ever <laughs> want to be in a C level position. Um, it just one thing led to another one. But my advice is after I gone through that um, spectrum of my career, um, you it's okay to tell yourself that you want to be a CEO, mm-hmm. but that means that you have to be very open to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that is one thing that I'm still working on it. But being vulnerable is essential requirement for you to become any anywhere near C level. Uh, because it comes with a lot of responsibility beyond your imagination, mm-hmm. and if you are being able to drive your ideas because you've been trained to think that your ideas are accurate mm-hmm. um, based on your proven track record, which is great for you, um, you are going to likely to fall into the trap of um, not able to create this consensus uh, across different discipline. Uh, especially when you're a CEO, you have to really listen to a lot of people. Uh, CEO is not in a position to make a decision. Uh, mm-hmm. CEO is especially in a decision to, uh, place to listen. So you got to be in the habit of listening a lot, which is oftentimes when you get to the certain levels of career, you start stop listening. You mm-hmm. stop you start telling people what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And if you get so used to it, it's very hard to unwind uh, back to listening mode. So um, my, my advice is, if you ever wanted to become C-level person, um, listen. Um, it's very hard, but listen. Uh, more listen than you know, speak. That's the right you know, portion. And then welcome the environment that you, when you find yourself vulnerable, that's how you grow so fast than any about anybody else. So that's why I said, you know, one of the best way to find the vulnerability is, you know, sign up for the position or the role that you know is not the best for you, meaning that it's not the leveraging your best quality, but you signed up for it because you're going to learn something, you're going to grow something. Um, and the last thing is that don't be afraid of doing a, a lateral move. Um, oftentimes we say, you know what, I'm going to be the best, you know, like CEO or best CPO or best CFO or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you just stick to the one discipline and you just go deeper, deeper, deeper to be mm-hmm. the expert, which is fine. But nowadays, you need to have a very variety of different knowledge, mm-hmm. um, not from the Googling something on the internet or looking at the book. It's, you know, mm-hmm. the real life experience of actually doing it, hands-on experience. So early days, especially when you're younger generation, 20s, um, my advice is look, work at multitude of different jobs and lateral move mm-hmm. um, still aiming to get you where you want to go so like if you're looking for an experiential space mm-hmm. then try to go start with design or product but having a marketing experience may not be a bad idea um, because you need to know how that product and service will be marketed mm-hmm. um, and end-to-end experience um, and then you really start to honing on a very one specific area that you want to go deeper as an expert. So it's a lot of different things, but um, yeah, it's, it's something that it's difficult to answer. But other than that, my, my, my answer is that just be comfortable with the being vulnerable um, and then listen more than you speak. Those two, two things will get you far enough 
that you won't regret it.、Um, I don't know if it's gonna get you the CEO, but get closer to it.、Yeah. Wow, so inspiring, really. <laughs> so,、uh, my last question to you is: Who are the people that inspire you throughout your career life? Yeah.、Um, so my my answer is not the most famous or the、um, something that you guys would like it, but I really respect my my inspi- inspiration is. Just people who are in a entry level.、Um, you know, my inspiration isn't those very successful leaders out there,、um, mm-hmm. because it's a lot easy to look at someone and say, "Wow, I ins- I was inspired by Steve Jobs."、Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with it.、Mm-hmm. You know what? In order to apply the inspiration to you, you need to live in the same physical space, physical time, with that person that you're inspired.、Mm-hmm. Because once the inspired person is already past tense individual,、uh, it becomes epic、um, because the environment that you live in isn't diff- is not the same as the person that you inspire.、Mm-hmm. Um, you do you understand? So, so it's really hard to relate. There, here's my ten commitments for what you need to do to become like me when you grow up. Right?、Um, it's not really working because the place that you are in, culturally, right,、um, or、uh, or different generation, or different pandemic, right? All those things. When you start factor all that, you really have to look at where the source of inspiration really become relevant. And I always found fascinating when I looked at. My entry point, entry level employees,、uh, because I live in the same space, same time zone, same era, yet more listen to their opinions. Wow, you get so many inspiration from them,、um, and I think that's how. I hope that a lot of other leaders will think that way.、Um, so my inspiration role models are actually entry point employees who come in with a bit of a timid shyness. A、um, little bit lack of confidence, but when you really create the environment for them to speak up, like I said before,、uh, become less fearful, then you really get inspired by amount of ideas that they bring to the table, actions that they you know put themselves in the front line,、um, and you learn so much and you grow together. So I think that's where I find my inspiration every day. Wow, it shows that your humbleness, indeed. It's my first time to see people like we think like the greenest people in in the office that will inspire you. Wow!、Yeah. So do you always like check with them like after work? Yeah. So my policy is that you know we all say leaders have an open door policy, right? For you know one on ones and whatnot.、Mm-hmm. Um, I really live by that.、Um, my calendar is open to everybody. So anybody who's like timid speaking up in the meeting. Um, I always ask them to, you know, put a 30-minute block on my calendar whenever you see, you know, availability. That's where I'm not doing anything,、uh, which means I'm actually mostly doing the emails.、Um, and they they submit their、um, one-on-one requests. I always accept.、Um, I don't decline them.、Um, and then we have a little one-on-one chat,、um, and they speak a lot about things that they might not be able to comfortable talking about. Um, and I like that because that that's where you get really connect at a human level,、um, not a contractual level.、Um, 
And so, and that's, again, that's going back to what I said about vulnerable. Um, I, I need to be vulnerable by being most honest person when I talk to that person. Um, and that, that person needs to be very honest about what he or she wants to spend time with me. Because uh, our times are valuable. Um, so you get to tend to have a very authentic conversation, not a, you know, like a superficial level conversation. And I enjoy that a lot because I learn something. Sometimes I get feedback from employees and I always felt like, thank you so much. Um, you just made me very much stronger leader uh, that otherwise I would have dismissed it. And they feel great because they spoke up, their ideas have been heard, and their CPO has been not, you know, like tarnishing or diminishing the, you know, value of the comments, but rather listen. So I think those things are very important. It's not easy, but、yeah. um, I found that making time for people is the best gift you can ever give.、Um, and I think, you know, as you go into C level, finding time in your calendar is very difficult. But, you know, if you don't find time for people, I don't know why you're doing the C level job, right?、Um, you're, after all, to nurture people, not execution of the project. Those things can be done by someone else. But my belief of C level folks are all about people. You gotta empower people, you gotta enable people, and learn from each other. So. Wow. So you should show me that how difficult life to make time for people. That is very right. Because I just want to ask you how do you manage to like, really spare your time? To your people because, because I think like time is very luxury. You have lots of meetings, you have lots of like maybe family issues you want to deal with. So it's like、mm-hmm. how to treasure your talents. I think, wow, like all the relationships you build, that will worth it. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. I think, like,、uh, yeah, I believe that we covered all the questions today. So it was such a pleasure for me to host the session with Kevin in the last hour. So, Kevin, again, I would like to send my gratitude to you on behalf of the CEO class team. I believe our audience enjoys this chat session as much as I do. Also, I would like to thank you for all our audience. Stay until the end of the chat. Love a lot, Liz. Please stay healthy, safe, and well. So,、uh, we will end our chat session now. You always can revisit our sections on the Facebook of the CEO class. So, thank you very much. All right, thank you guys. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.